You know, one thing that I love about sleep is that it shows our utter dependence on him. You, I, I challenge anyone to just simply stop sleeping. You can't do it. You will have all these negative consequences, but eventually you will fall asleep. God has designed it in a way that it's a daily reminder of our dependence on him and his providence. Welcome to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing Church here in Duluth, Minnesota. My name is Brent Nelson. I'm one of the elders here, and I am joined for this second episode talking about our health by Kevin Johnson, one of our elders. Kevin, welcome back to talk about health. Enjoy. We're talking today in episode number two on the topic of health. Last time we met together in the previous episode, we were looking at this large category inside an even larger series. The larger series is Christian ethics. The category is health. And we looked at it from a biblical theological perspective. How, Kevin, do you think would be a, a good way to summarize how the Bible teaches us to think about our bodies? Yeah, well, if you haven't listened to episode number one, I'd say go back to listen yeah. to that. But uh, if, if you just need a refresh, it's been a couple of weeks and you just want to kind of get caught back up, kind of get the summary. Uh, physical bodies were part of God's very good creation. We'll have physical resurrection bodies for eternity. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are the means by which we conduct gospel ministry by God's grace through his strength. So we should take reasonable care of them and keep them physically healthy and strong. They're not bad. They're no, good things. They're very good Thank things. Thank you, God. Not just God and good things. They're very good. Yeah, very good. Yep. Wonderful. So, um, and we'll kind of get into the details of, well, what does reasonable care look like? That's the kind of the goal, the aim by God's grace today. Well, in the few minutes we have to talk together, we'll take up the answer to the, that question, what is reasonable care? Uh, under the, the heading of food and nutrition, under the heading of labor and exercise, under the heading of rest, and the heading of medicine. Those are all pretty big topics. There's they lots are. of things we could talk about. May the Lord give us uh, clear guidance as we, we visit on this. When we think about food, and if you pause for a minute and say, does the Bible have much to say about food? It really has a lot to say about it food. It does. There's a lot yeah. in there. Where did you go first when we talk about food as a means of care for our bodies? Well, just to show that God does care uh, not only about our bodies, but about our food, I just kind of reference back to how, you know, back in the Old Testament, people of the covenant, people of Israel, had they had clean foods and they had unclean foods. But this side of the cross, believers can enjoy all sorts of foods. And we'll we'll cover some, come to those, some of those texts, but like I particularly, I enjoy bacon. I I'm enjoy bacon it. too. It's a good thing. It's a gift from the Lord. I That's worship right. every time I eat bacon. That's right. It is a good thing. Amen. Yeah. That's exactly uh, but right. But we need to be conscientious and thankful eaters. And as you brought up those different categories, I just I think we mentioned it earlier, but Wayne Grudem, just tremendous, the book that he put together, uh, these categories are not new to me. These are categories that he in included in his book. Yeah. Um, but something that as I read through that, as I was thinking and meditating about what the Lord would have, um, kind of some things that came to my mind were that we can and ought to be, frankly, uh, conscientious eaters. And so three kind of ways that came to my mind were First, we, while we have freedom to eat what we want on the side of the cross, absolutely, we have plenty of verses for that, we shouldn't pass judgment on other believers by the types of food eaten. So Romans 14, 2 and 3 really talk about food, and I think you and I, as we were kind of preparing for this time of recording, you can apply it to other thoughts, but quoting Paul, Apostle Paul, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So I, I know you and I love bacon, but if we have a vegetarian brother with us, you know, um, 
I would hope that he would not pass judgment on us and that we also would not pass judgment on them because what we do, we do with thanksgiving and glorifying God. And so while we have the ability to adopt those practices, we certainly don't want to snub the nose of our brother. Um, you know, I'm not going to pass the bacon in front of his nose and, and kind of or throw it at him or anything like that. Um, we have that freedom. Let's enjoy it. Let's give thanks for it, but not pass judgment on others. It otherwise and and it's important to to mention that not only with regard to what's on the menu but also how we relate to lots of other areas with regard to our bodies the 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 natural sphere in which we think about our bodies is in the sphere of our families or our friendships or our others with a similar age group to us or even our church family or our community. So whether when it comes to medicines, when it comes to rest, when it comes to labor or exercise, and, and certainly food and, and nutrition, passing judgment is not the realm of the Christian. Welcoming one another, uh, thanking God for uh, those who might share your viewpoint and those who might differ in your viewpoint, all under the larger rubric of valuing and caring for the human body as a gift from God, a very good gift from God. So that's an important thing to set the tone for all of these specific conversations. Yeah, and and I already kind of alluded to the second thought when I was thinking about how we can be conscientious eaters, is that while we have the freedom to eat whatever type of food we want, we should be conscientious not to cause our brother to stumble. That's different than judging another brother. It's, you know, if there is somebody that, say, for instance, uh, struggles with alcoholism, I would not partake of a freedom of drinking some wine in front of him. Um, or if there's something that I could eat, I would not want him to stumble. So thinking back, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, reviews in a scenario where somebody had the cho- choice to limit what he says, I choose to limit what I eat, what I drink, lest, quoting Paul, lest I make my brother stumble. So he chose to refrain. He knew he had the freedom. He chose to refrain from eating meats that were maybe dedicated to idols at the time. Yeah. Right? So it impacts what you take pictures of and put on Facebook. Good point. Or Instagram yeah. or elsewhere. Sometimes it's fun to celebrate the blessing of a meal together, and that's not an inappropriate thing to do. There's lots of appropriate ways to do that, but we should be thoughtful, careful. We're not causing anyone to stumble by the freedoms that we enjoy. And now in in the social media age, the freedoms that we're posting. Yeah. Social media, a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could cause a lot of people to stumble on social media for yes. sure. Yes. The third and most related to today's topic is we have freedom on what types of food we want to eat. We must be conscientious about how our eating and drinking choices positively or perhaps negatively impact our bodies. For example, I'm not going to name names here, but there's somebody in this church that has celiacs, and he has the freedom to eat as much gluten as he wants. He will regret it immediately if he does so, and in fact, it will adversely impact his ability to minister. So if we're thinking, well, these are the vehicles that we're driving uh, by God's power to to for ministry, then he is going to be driving a jalop if he chooses to to enjoy that gluten. Um, so positively, having a balanced diet uh, with nutrients, fiber-rich fruits and vegetables, promoting uh, promote body health, drinking ample water, another example, promote health, promoting health. Um, you could choose to have something that would not be as healthy, and that's going to stymie your abilities. And um, I guess one thing is, we can negatively we see negative examples in the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, eating and drinking excessively would be a glutton and a drunkard. We read about that. That's almost universally looked upon negatively, both Old and New Testament, and that does have negative health consequences on the body, usually resulting in a shorter lifespan, less vigor, 
Uh, you can think of Proverbs 23.20 or 1 Corinthians 5.11. So just talking, those are really large kind of thoughts, not necessarily giving a lot of specificity here, other than that what we eat, what we drink, uh, we have got freedom, but being mindful of what we put in, put in those engines so that they operate well over the long term. Overall, what's, what's embedded in, in all of those helpful thoughts is this idea that God has given our, our very good bodies to us as, as a kindness, a gift, and our most fundamental response to Him is, Lord, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for this. And, and so you find that in Romans 14, 1 Timothy 4, receiving uh, our food with thanksgiving and, and making it holy by the Word of God and prayer. Or Romans 14 talks about giving thanks to God. Uh, for what you eat, and then also for what you abstain from. So, a, a person brimming with gratitude, and and that goes a long way to proclaim the biblical understanding of God being the Creator and Giver of all good things, and our whole life is offered to Him as a statement of thanksgiving for what He's given. Blessed be the name of the Lord for what you give and for what you take away. Job said, uh, without doing anything wrong. So I, I'm thrilled with this call to gratitude. It really, if you, if you pause for a moment and say, Lord, I'm so thankful for my body, that then sets you into a healthy mindset for making practical decisions thereafter. What dangerous things will I avoid? What, uh, what ways might I devalue my body that aren't wise that I would just simply say, that doesn't fit with my thankfulness? It doesn't jive well with my being thankful to God. My being thankful to God makes me want to take good care of my body, be a good steward of it, and use it for His honor and glory, use it for the well-being of others around me. Yeah. And we wouldn't want to be legalistic about this. I, I think I paused at this point and then said, hold on, let's take a step back. In all these ethics, if you come away with a checklist here, then we've missed the point. Again, we're here on God's earth and with these bodies that He has designed to glorify and enjoy Him forever, so that Thanksgiving is the right impulse when we're about to enjoy a meal. This is provided by God. It is for our good. And praise Him, it even has taste. I mean, He could have fueled us with something that was totally tasteless. Yeah, but, that's right. You know, I'm not going to focus on bacon anymore, but there's a lot of good foods that <laughs> taste right. really good. There, there are. And have good textures, and we ought to give thanks to them. It ought to be, as in all of life, all of life ought to be worship. So food is certainly one of those areas. And then you have, of course, we haven't mentioned it yet, but 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or mm -hmm. whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Labor and exercise. How does work and exercise impact our bodies? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of passages. Like I went, I was thinking, and I think others elsewhere have done the same, and I know Grudem does. Uh, Paul's letter to Timothy back in 1 Timothy 4, 7, 8 uh, Paul says, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Some have chosen to focus on that and say, of little value, almost like it's an inconsequential thing. But really the thrust of that verse is talking about weighing, if you had scales, eternity obviously can't even be compared to this life. So it's if you took it at its most literal, it's, it's like, of a brief time, yeah. right? So that is what's so if there is value there, especially in light of what we've already talked about last session and even today, and that is this body is God's gift to us. And so one of the ways he's allowed for us is through physical training, bodily training. And if you think about the past, our forefathers before us, 
century, maybe even not that long ago, there were so many things that you had to do that required physical labor. If you wanted to cook, you had to go chop wood. If you want to get water, then you couldn't just use the water. You had to boil it, right? Which means you had to chop wood and make a fire and maintain your the grounds around you. There was If you had to go to work, you would either work the field or you'd walk to where you had to go. Um, there was just so much involved. If you, if you wanted to eat, you didn't have a refrigerator. You didn't have a microwave. It was not a 30-second preparation time. There was a lot of work. So in this era where we are much more sedentary, going to the gym is something that's probably going to be more productive for us than uh, given that we don't have much in the way of physical uh, activity. There are several different benefits, and these are not gleaned through Scripture necessarily directly, um, but studies have shown that physical, regular physical activity can have benefits such as maintaining body health, healthy weight, uh, strengthening the heart and lungs, as well as bone density. Uh, strength training is great for that. Balancing moods. Increasing alertness and energy, assisting digestion, enhancing sleep, reducing risk of chronic diseases and ailments such as heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, and some forms of cancer. So those are the, the sum values that Paul's referring to. He may not have known those labels sure, like we yeah. do today, but that's that has one of the side benefits of bodily training. Um, you can think of some New Testament passages such as Hebrews 12. We talk about running the race or Galatians 2.2. 2. Now, those were meant to be illusions. So I'm not saying that they are commending people to exercise, but they do offer uh, some nice illusions about a godly kind of striving or a godly kind of effort or uh, Paul uh, talking about his own bodily self-discipline, such as in 1 Corinthians 9.25-27. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. And I'm not under any misguided notion that he was talking about physically running or he went out to the boxing ring or anything there. But his quote goes on, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So he's talking about this bodily self-discipline, keeping it under control. There's many places um, that we see Paul commending self-control. Yeah, he says in Galatians 5, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. When the Spirit's at work in me, the Spirit is dwelling in the temple of my body. One of the ways the Spirit will reveal himself is by giving me love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control over the things of my body. The word self-control there is very often applied in the context of physical self-control, self-control over appetites. So, Holy Spirit, do the work. In us, yeah. yeah. It's also interesting to note, we didn't make much of this, but it's just a, a side note, I think, and it helps underscore what you're saying, Kevin, that in the very beginning, Genesis 1 through 3, before the fall, God gave to Adam and Eve work over the garden. Yes. In the final new heavens and the new earth, after we've been fully sanctified and glorified in the presence of God, we will be working in heaven. We will not be inactive in either of those settings. right? It's during this time now that we're still battling uh, with the sinful flesh, and by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within, battling successfully and victoriously over sinful flesh, that we will have this tendency to sluggardliness, to slothfulness. Hmm. But sloth has no place in no. the kingdom to come. So it's a wonderful thing to just think in terms of eternity. Lord, help me understand how you view my body from your eternal perspective. You gave it to me, you called it very good, and you gave me work to do, along with Adam and Eve in the very beginning, and, and now my work and toil has become a curse and difficult. 
uh, childbearing has become a, a difficulty for women and for mothers, and those called to physical labor have to do so under the sweat of their brow. Yet, that's a temporary condition right, to be resolved fully by the return of Christ. So there's hope in there that work won't be equated with, with uh, difficulty and with the curse. That leads to the very natural transition to, con- to the conversation about rest, rest in between our work and our labors. What does the Bible have to say, at least in summary form, about the idea of rest? Well, like you've already identified, he, God, in his infinite wisdom and in what he shared with us in the Word, does commend industriousness. Mm-hmm. That's what you just talked about. You can think of Proverbs 31, woman. There's lots of industry there. Uh, but in the agrarian age, when livelihood was equal to labor, uh, God commands his nation of Israel, the Old Testament, rest one day each week, that's Sabbath. Um, and Jesus, because uh, you know our tendency is to either ignore what God says or make it into a, a hard and fast rule that is right. taken out of context, their misunderstanding, Jesus corrects back in uh, Mark 2, 27, when Jesus says to these people who are talking about the Sabbath, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Psalm 127, 2 shares a warning for those that simply seek to zealously, anxiously labor, striving for their own, through their own strength, for their selfish gain and neglect to even through their labor, seek God like you've already talked about, like we're supposed to be worshiping the Lord even through our work. Um, so they're failing to do that. Psalm 127, 2, quote, It is in vain that you rise up early and go to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he, God, gives to his beloved sleep. So sleep, like our bodies... It's a gift. It's a gift we ought to enjoy in the context of Him. Give thanks for it, like we talked about before. And I found it interesting. I was looking up, doing some research about rest. Um, there was a 2022 survey that Gallup put out. and talked about how stress increases the chance of a bad night's sleep, 96%. Whereas... I and, could prove that. Yeah, right? I, I could prove that. If you're stressed out, that is... And it's like telling somebody not to be stressed out. I mean, there's, there's certain things you can do, but uh, stress, that anxious labor, makes it harder to sleep. So I just found that an interesting uh, corollary that was like that. Um, Some of the things we find as far as health benefits for sleeping, uh, most of us can probably resonate with these. Uh, If you don't have quality sleep, it will reduce your ability to concentrate, stymie memory, inhibit your creativity. Uh, A second thing that would contribute to moodiness and irritability. I know I get moody when I'm not not well-rested. I'm more likely to snip at people. Uh, Three, it'll impair motor skills and increase risk of accidents. I was talking with... One of our fellow believers who's a truck driver, and he's like, yeah, they mandate after 10 hours, you have to, you have to rest, and that's yeah. a good thing. Sure. Uh, otherwise, there's lots more accidents. They found that in studies. Four, compre- compromise the body's immune system, putting at greater risk for sickness. And five, increase the risk of chronic conditions such as heart disease and diabetes, among others. So um, that, those are some of the, the negatives. You could say the corollary to the, the positives on there. It would it'd allow you to concentrate better and make you a happier person, and you would be able to have less disease, your immune system would function at peak. Um, so there's, there's a lot of com- complementary things of, of getting adequate rest, but much like being a drunkard and a glutton, somebody who eats too much, there's possible to sleep too much too. Uh, we talked about that a bit. I don't know if there's any verses that came to your mind along those, those lines. I know Grudem had several. Well, and there are many. The warnings against being slothful or lazy or a sluggard, those are important warnings. We don't talk about them very much. They don't show up in our culture very much, partly because I think some who are in leadership are are very eager to say, I don't want to urge people to work harder. They're already working too much. But I think the charge biblically is 
begins more with the idea of, of like you have, Sabbath, resting in God. If you're resting in God, you will tend toward being able to rest well when you are sleeping physically, and then your work will have a much more vigorous and productive quality to it. And then you'll be prepared then again to enjoy that that gift later that night of a good night's rest. Yeah. So we thank the Lord for the way he's created human beings, the way he's created the rhythm of life, the way he's created functionality. It was God who invented the week. He loves seven. So he has seven days and he loves the Sabbath. And now the Sabbath is a person, not just a a 24-hour period, but praise the Lord for his good design for our bodies. And and we would be careful and we would be wise not to try to press against those limitations. Yeah. I think about all these, we're talking about thankfulness to this. You know, one thing that I love about sleep is that it shows our utter dependence on him. You, I, I challenge anyone to just simply stop sleeping. You can't do it. You will have all these negative consequences, but eventually you will fall asleep. God has designed it in a way that it's a daily reminder of our dependence on him and his providence. Well, your summary statement, if I can read, uh, is just excellent here. Rest is a good gift from God for which we ought to give thanks. Consistent quality sleep is beneficial for our bodies in numerous ways that makes us more effective in fulfilling our design to glorify God and enjoy him. Finally, while sleep is a God's gift, there are some ways we can mindfully participate in promoting good, effective sleep. So... Really appreciated that that summary statement. The last topic that we want to take up under this this larger category of health is the idea of medicine, and that's that's always on people's minds. We thank God for medicine. Medicine is constantly developing and growing. We're grateful for researchers. We're grateful for companies that are creating various medicines. We're thankful for physicians and and the entire healthcare community that seeks to provide best practices for us as a as a nation or even as a community. I think it's important to remember, and I think there's some false religions out there that would say, if you're sick, that is because you don't have enough faith. And I would, I would warn against those kind of things. The Bible never says a Christian will be is guaranteed perfect health. Um, in fact, if you think about all the things that led up to this, sleep, exercise, good food, none of that's going to guarantee being healthy either. I mean, I, as the older I get, the more I see of exceptions to that rule. Um, we see people like Timothy had stomach troubles. We know that Epaphras nearly died from sickness. And so biblically, you can see there's examples of sickness. But like you've already commended, and I would as well, there are many ways where God uses those uh, physicians and nurses and medicines to be the tool he uses. So not to be shunned. They should actually be, like you already said, we should give thanks for those and, and pray for them and, and support them when we can. They can alleviate sickness, promote health, help reasonably extend longevity. So, uh, And they can often be a, a way, so if you are listening and that is your call, uh, by all means, do that. You know, that's, that's a good thing to, to work against, and, and it can be a means to ministry. So we, there are many ministries, many missionaries that are out there that use a tool of medicine and health to bring the gospel to people. And that's, that aching soul is where we t- want to really labor hard, but not to the neglect of fa- ministering to someone physically. Yeah. Well, there's one, there's one voice I've, I've heard, uh, and actually several say this very same thing, so I, I stand on their shoulders when I say, we certainly want to minister to temporary needs in an effort to then set a platform for ministering to eternal needs. Yeah. So both and, uh, and you find that 
undivided in Scripture. In fact, it's probably an unfortunate thing that within churches and within theological streams, there's there's some that are eager to define themselves against one side or the other. There are there are groups of churches who will say we mainly focus on this world needs physical justice, uh, mercy, care issues, and others will say we mainly focus on eternal needs, salvation, and it, and heaven. The reality is the Bible cares about both because we are all one unified whole. Um, so I think the most Christ-like response is to very much take his Matthew 25 counsel. When did we see you hungry or, or naked or imprisoned? Uh, when you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. When we talk about the idea of medicine, we, we recognize that medicine itself is a gift from God. It is. That he's made it part of his creation, and it's right up there with good food and good rest and good work as a way to uh, steward our bodies and to make them useful for the full appointed period of time that he has for us to live on the earth. Yeah. Also, I suppose it would be a way you could also abuse God's good, God's good gifts. So there's people that can be addicted to certain prescription medicines. So um, again, not to get legalistic, but in balance with thanksgiving, recognizing them as gifts of God, that helps put the right lens on them, as you so well articulated there. Kevin, thanks. This has been great. Uh, many questions are left unanswered. We knew that would be the case, but but this is wonderful. And thank you for your labors to present this to us, your study, your digging into God's Word. It's such a gift to us as a body. Thank you for your elder ministry, but thank you for the specific way your elder ministry is expressed in this conversation. It's outstanding, and it's really a joy. Let me thank the Lord for this in our time together as we close. Father, we thank you for being our great physician. We thank you for being our healer. We thank you for being the one who created us and sustains us, and we live and move and have our being in you. We thank you so much for your good plans for us. We thank you that that what you give and what you take away are occasions by which we have to bless you and thank you and adore you and praise you. Lord, we thank you so much for Christ, who himself has a perfectly glorified body, one which we will share with him one day. And I pray, Lord, that you would come back soon and uh, gather your people to yourself, clothing them fully and perfectly in their final glorified bodies. Until then, Lord, strengthen and sustain us. Thank you for gifts of our bodies. Thank you for rest and food and medicine and and work. Thank you now for guiding uh, the days ahead as we try to live these things out in the help and strength that you supply so that even in our living these things, you might receive the glory. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church.